You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D, the podcast that explores the power of inclusion and why disability is an important part of the workplace diversity and inclusion conversation. Produced by the Ontario Disability Employment Network, with your hosts, Jeanette Campbell and Dean Askin. Hello, and wherever you're listening from this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whatever time it is in your part of the world, welcome to this episode of You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D. October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month, or NDEAM, as it's known for short in North America. So we thought, what better time to launch a new occasional series we're calling Making the Journey. It's kind of a fitting title for this series, I think. Because when a business leader or owner makes the conscious decision to become intentional about disability inclusion in their organization, well, it really is a long-term journey with twists, turns, challenges, some awkward conversations, perhaps, successes, and lessons learned along the way. So cozy up with that glass of wine or mug of coffee or tea and settle in with me for this first fireside chat, a one-on-one conversation about the disability-inclusive hiring journey. That's right. For this series, you're stuck with just me. My co-host, Jeanette Campbell, will be back with me for the next episode of You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D. My name is Dean Askin, and I'm glad you're here with me listening in. I'm also glad my first guest was able to find time in his busy schedule to be my inaugural guest for this series. Sometimes he never knows when he's going to be notified he has to be at a legal hearing. I'll tell you, that's actually what happened when we were setting up the recording session for this episode. We had the date and time all set, and we had to move it at the last minute. But no worries, it all came together, and here we are. Joe Hoffer is a partner at Cohen Hiley LLP, a law firm in London, Ontario. Now, just in case you're listening from another part of the world and you're wondering where the heck London, Ontario is... That's a city in the southwestern part of Ontario, Canada, about two and a half hours from the U.S. border at Detroit. Now, full disclosure here, Joe is not only a disability-inclusive employer, he's one of Odin's business champions. A bit of background about that. It was the late and former Lieutenant Governor of Ontario, David Onley, who was the catalyst for Odin's Business Champions League. David brought together like-minded business leaders and supported them to organize, advocate, and bring a voice to the inequities and inequalities faced by people who have a disability. Now, the idea is for these champions to support each other as well as other business leaders who are motivated to start their own disability-inclusive hiring journey in their organizations. The League is still very much active today, and I think my guest will attest to that because I'm pretty sure Joe has a busy business champion speaking schedule as well as a work schedule. I know he's always willing to share his experiences and the Cohen Highly Disability Inclusion success story. And so here we are, sharing that story with the world in the first installment of Making the Journey here on You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D. I've really been looking forward to this conversation. Joe Hoffer, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Dean, for having me, and uh, and thanks for the introduction. Uh, it's uh, it's very helpful to keep me on track as we work our way through this podcast. You know, you're going to have to refresh my 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 brain. I mean, how many years has it been now since you made that first hire of someone with a disability? I mean, tell me what the journey's been like looking back. Uh, looking back, it, it really has been incredible. It has been close to 35 years since the firm, and it's not just me, but it was the firm, made a decision to uh, hire someone with a disability. Uh, 
Uh, it, it actually was a very simple decision. It sounded like a good idea. The biggest challenge was how do we go about it? And so uh, that's where the journey started, not should we do it? It's we'll do it, just how. And um, it's been rewarding in, in many different ways. Uh, we've, we've learned a lot through the process uh, about ourselves and about people with disabilities. Um, at a very practical operational level, it's been rewarding financially because uh, our hires have, uh, there, there's some exceptions, there always are with any hire, but um, our hires have uh, enabled us to be uh, productive uh, for us to realize a return on the investment in that person. And the returns that we've realized haven't just been financial. It's been cultural. Um, the human resources positives have been um, really amazing and surprising and exceeded our expectations. Uh, and the, the public recognition that we've received as a result has also been very positive, uh, both in terms of the, the impact on, um, again, uh, new clients coming to the firm and the impact on the culture within the firm. So it's, it's been something that we never expected when we started this. Um, and uh, almost 35 years later, uh, there are no regrets at this end. When you took the reins and, you know, made this hire and got into all of this, did you ever imagine you'd become this kind of disability inclusion role model for others to follow? No, that, that was not on the radar screen at all. Um, it, and, you know, you talk about the idea of a model and we have spoken to many businesses over the years uh, and we have advocated to business for uh, the hiring of people with disability. Um, it, it continues to be a challenge to persuade businesses to uh, open themselves up to the hiring process, to investigate uh, just as we did. How do we go about doing this? I, I think for most businesses, uh, they would never say, no, no, we won't consider hiring a person. Uh, it would be more like, well, we'd like to do it, but, you know, we, we don't know anything about how to go about doing it. And it kind of ends there. And um, I think, you know, we, we didn't imagine that we could serve as a model for another business. Uh, I, I will say that we can. Uh, it's just a matter of will people follow that template and move forward. Take me back to that day when, you know, you were first in, introduced to the idea. And I, you mentioned it was just kind of like, you know, you knew you were going to do it. But it can be a totally foreign idea to a, to a lot of businesses even today. So, I mean, what was when you were introduced to the idea, what was your first reaction? What do you remember about that? Um, it was uh, an item on the agenda for a partnership meeting. And... Uh, honestly, it was, well, that seems like a good idea. Uh, let's see if we can do it. And then someone was assigned to look after it. And uh, we had connections within the community to uh, an agency that provided uh, supports for people with disabilities to find them employment. And that was our first, our first go-to. And um, from there, we just never looked back. Um, there, you know, there's always a degree of uncertainty about any hiring. And um, this one was 
honestly, it was really facilitated by the outside agency that came in and worked with us to find a place for the individual to um, to basically um, find a position and a productive position, because that was key. We didn't want this to be some kind of token uh, hire. We wanted it to be a productive hire. And um, there was a synergy between people at our firm who were supportive and people at the agency who were supportive and the individual that we hired. Um, those three things came together um, and it resulted in a very, very productive outcome from a operational perspective. Uh, and then the rest was just like added value. The, and when I say the rest, I'm talking about uh, the impact of that hire on other staff at the firm, on clients of the firm, mm -hmm. and ultimately, you know, years later, some public recognition for the type of work um, or, or the type of, um, I guess, uh, attitude that the firm had toward hiring people with disabilities. This was a role that was quite proactively created and kind of job carved. Um, you know, for for people who aren't familiar with that, you know, uh, expression. I mean, tell me what you did, and you kind of sort of mentioned the impact, but tell me about more about some more about what you did and the impact that it ultimately had. Well, we had an outside agency. In this case, it was Community Living. Um, but there, there are many others out there who work with people with disabilities and, um, they, they came into the firm and basically did a forensic review of the type of job functions that were occurring within the firm and assessed those job functions and, and, and basically tied them to a candidate who had the abilities to perform certain job functions. What was the level of performance that that person could provide? And then uh, between the agency and our own staff, they worked out um, a, a position that actually uh, created great benefits with operationally within the firm. So I'll give you an example. Um, we had uh, a large number of staff who work at their desks, but when they needed to pick something up from the photocopier, and I know I'm going back in the past, but we're talking 35 <laughs> years ago. Photocopiers. Okay. Yes, we had photocopiers and fax machines. Uh, so what would happen is they would work at their desks and they would have to go to the photocopier or go to the fax machine, or they'd have to go up front uh, to pick up deliveries. Um, they would have to go into the coffee room to get coffee for an incoming client for, you know, to bring to uh, one of the meeting rooms. There, there were a lot of functions where uh, both we and the agency said, well, wait a minute, we have a person who can do all those things. And that way, the admin staff can remain at their desk and continue working uh, because I'll tell you, when people meet at the photocopier, when they meet at the fax machine or in the coffee room, there's all kinds of delay. And uh, it's, it's the water cooler, the water cooler conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. What was that Seinfeld episode we saw last, last night? So it really came down to a, a situation where we could create efficiencies and then um, you know, we identified those efficiencies and then said, well, how are we going to basically implement this. And that's where the agency came in uh, and the candidate. And they worked out a system 
where um, this individual would, would travel throughout the firm. We occupy um, a, a large floor in a large office building. Um, I think at the time we had about uh, 50 or 60 uh, staff, including lawyers, but probably around 40 support staff that, that this individual would provide services to. And so there went the deliveries, there went the, you know, the coffee into the meeting room, um, there went um, basically all these functions that this person was capable of providing that the admin staff no longer had to provide. And that allowed the admin staff to focus on their expertise because, um, you know, there, there's a level of expertise that they had that didn't involve going to the photocopier. And uh, the other thing that that came out of that, so, you know, we we create the job position, we work out the details, and then the person starts working. And I'll tell you, this individual had an extremely positive attitude, uh, was was just, you know, committed to making this work, and uh, and it worked. So operationally, our expectations were met and and really exceeded because it was really a good sort of formula that we had worked out and and uh, very productive. But what we didn't expect were what I talked about previously, which were these added value aspects. And so when a client was in reception and received a cup of coffee from a person who clearly had a disability, um, there was a positive reaction to that and a positive reaction to the firm. And, and it's just a good feeling um, by, the, by the client towards the firm. And also when this individual went throughout the firm with this positive attitude, providing service to uh, staff, uh, that created a positive atmosphere. And so those were the added value things that we never expected. And that occurred really from the get-go. Um, so it really was a great experience with our initial dive into this. So, I mean, you were doing, you know, early then what everybody's talking about nowadays is how your business needs to reflect the community it serves. And, you know, there's, you know, over 600,000 Canadians who have a disability and want to work. And there's, you know, almost a quarter of the, of the population has at least one disability. And, People, your your clients and constituents can have a disability and you might not know it. So you were actually being proactive and transforming your business way back. And, and we didn't set out with that in mind. All we tried to do was hire somebody and see if it would work. That that was that was really the goal. All these things that you've just touched on were spin-offs that that were not expected at the time. So what would you, what would you say the 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 ultimate results have been? Um, it, it's been a very positive culture. Um, it, it's been a real privilege for me to work with the people that I work with here. And I think many of the people that work here feel the same way. Um, it, it's it, it, it's a, a culture of empathy and a culture of diversity and uh, a certain amount of tolerance. Um, and... Um, you know, so that's within the firm. Um, that's the feeling you get when you work here. And, you know, we have a lot of long-term employees uh, who I think have stayed here because of the nature of the culture. There's also um, an impact on productivity 
uh, you know, people, we're essentially a service organization. Um, and we, we, you know, working together like this, that commitment to service to our clients, I think has really been promoted. It's not about us, it's about the client and what can we do for them and how can we best do it? Um, so coming back to your question, all, all I can tell you is it, it's just been a very positive experience uh, and continues to be um, with, with every hire. When you're reading articles and whatnot, people, you know, researchers and experts say, you know, you've got to, it's got to, it, it creates a culture shift or a culture shift has to happen. Was the culture at Cohen Highly always, you know, diverse and inclusive or did you see a change happen after you made that first hire? Has there been a transformation or is it just like gone on the way it always was? No, I, I wouldn't say there's been a, a palpable transformation of some kind. Uh, it's, it's a nuanced change. Um, I, I just know that, you know, um, there's a degree of respect uh, that, that sort of infiltrates the culture. Uh, respect for others, respect for their dignity, and uh, and quite a bit of, you know, uh, if these people can cope with what they're coping with, um, I can cope with what I'm coping with. And, um, and it, you know, it, it just, it's just worked. But I wouldn't say, you know, there was this overnight transformation. So it's made, so it's made some subtle nuanced changes, you know, overall within the firm. And how would you say it's changed you? What have you, you know, what have you learned and been able to, you know, adapt to and change through over the years since this? Well, that's, that's hard for me to assess. I'm hardly objective. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think, you know, one of the things I, I learned is that we're, we're not really talking about disabilities here. Um, we're, we're really talking about people. And I can tell you um, in my experience it's the person that that really is the essence of the relationship here. You, you don't even notice um, things like disability once you get to know the person, and um, and that's something that that really struck me. You know, um, it, it and hasn't left me since. It, it's it's um, you know it, it's like every other hire where we look at what is the character of this person? What's their judgment like? What are they capable of? Um, how motivated are they? How motivated are we to make this successful? Um, but it doesn't have to do with, oh, gee, do we have to order special software or do we have to have special accessibility things? If those are issues, we just deal with them. That's a you know, that's a footnote in the, um, in the hiring process and in the working process. So, so, so to you, it's all about how do we help this person succeed? How do we help everyone succeed? Um, that's, that's an aspect of it, but it's also, how do this, how does this person help us to succeed? It, it really is a collaborative, uh, relationship and, um, and, you know, it hasn't always worked out. I mean, we, we've had hires that we've said, this just isn't going to work. And, uh, and then we do what we do with any other hire that doesn't work. And uh, that's typically termination and let's find someone else. Um, but the, the positives 
have far outweighed any negatives that we've come across from time to time. Well, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, from your perspective, what's like the best thing or the best things about being a disability inclusive business that you've found? Uh, I have to say it's, it's the, there's two aspects. One is the positive impact on our business. Um, and the, it, that I've, I touched on earlier, it's not just the productivity of the individual, but also the, because, you know, we, we have clients who come to the office every day. Um, it, it's been a positive impact on the clients. They recognize what we're doing and they, vicariously participate in that by being, you know, associated with the firm. So that's been very positive. And then, as I said previously as well, um, the, you know, and this was unexpected, is the recognition in the community for the kind of hiring that we do and for the diversity at the firm. And um, that was never calculated on our part but it's something that's occurred and i have to say um that the people at this firm and our clients are very proud of that public recognition and that that instills a sense of pride i guess in everyone in in, in the in the organization that that's correct yeah that's uh, that's a good way to put it dean I, what do you think i mean what's your sense are there, do you think maybe there's i mean and i know you talk all over the province that part of the province down there What's your sense? Are, are there perhaps more, a great, more as in a greater number of, you know, inclusive businesses now in the London area and around Southwest Ontario, perhaps because of the path that you forged at Cohen Hiley? I, I think there are. I think um, there are businesses that recognize the benefits. They've heard about the benefits and they're willing to um, explore that. And, um, you know, I, I, I do see and, and, uh, I know some of some of the hirings have been directly as a result of um, the example that we've been able to provide and the support that that we've been able to provide and that the agencies that we've worked with have been able to provide. Um, and they're, you know, it's worked out well for them. Um, I know that there are other uh, cases where, um, you know, if the employer is tentative, uh, and the agency they're working with is tentative that things don't work out. So there's there's work to be done uh, by employers and by some of the agencies that certainly that we've worked with. But um, there have been many positive hirings and they are visible hirings that we see in the community yeah. and more than we used to. Tell me what you're hearing, what, what you're hearing from maybe from your, your peers and colleagues in the legal profession. I mean, you kind of set the stage way back. I mean, how common now in the legal profession is disability inclusive hiring? Does it happen more now? What do you, what, what sense do you get? Um, I think there's still some resistance. I know it's happened because I, I've seen examples myself. I, I don't often actually go to other offices and, and I don't often engage in discussions with, you know, the firms generally, but the, the few that I have, um, it's been very positive. Uh, for them. And I think they've had a similar experience um, in terms of the hiring process and uh, and in terms of the outcomes that they've received. So um, I don't know overall how prevalent it is, but I know that that 
there are hirings that have occurred and that will continue to occur because of the positive outcomes they've achieved. So pro progress is being made. I mean, that that's one of the things we've been we've been exploring in in, in uh, on on the show this year is you know the the state of disability inclusion you know in business in 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 Canada today. So you're you're seeing progress. I, I'm seeing progress, but it's incremental, Dean. It's not fast enough, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm sure that. You know, the candidates that are out there looking for work, it's not nearly fast enough. There are numerous um, hurdles that they have to go through. And um, I, I personally, I can't imagine it because I've just not experienced it directly. But I see it sort of from the sidelines and and I hear it. And um, it, it continues to be frustrating. I'll be honest. It does continue to be frustrating that the opportunities that are out there um, just don't seem to be capable of being seized either by the candidates or by the employers. You know, that, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you, you know, I mean, here we are, you know, I always like to, to put it this way. I mean, here we are in the middle of the third decade of the 21st century and we're still having to educate and sometimes maybe gently, you know, thump people over the head and, 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 and get more awareness into them. And that's, got to be high on the, on the frustration meter. Uh, it is, it is. And, and then I think, okay, I try to have a little empathy for the employers, you know, they're, they're running a business. They, in many cases, they've just been through um, uh, a very difficult period when, when COVID was sort of at its height. Um, but by the same token, you know, uh, a business needs to be nimble. It needs to be proactive and, um, you know, one of the one of the great things, if, if I'm allowed to say it about COVID, was it allowed us to work remotely. And, you know, for a lot of people that that has the benefit of especially people with disabilities who who may not at this point be employed. Uh, it avoids transportation issues if you can make that connection and work remotely, uh, because transportation is, I think, a huge obstacle for a lot of people. Uh, just how do we get to work? Well, if you can do it from your from your apartment uh, or your home, uh, that takes that off the table. Uh, and then, but, you know, the converse of that is how do you connect with an employer when it's all being done remotely? And, you know, Dean, some of the application processes I've seen there are these sort of automated click uh, click process where you click the wrong thing and you're just you're off the table. Yeah, the the, the 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 AI algorithm bounces you out. You've got a gap in your resume, or that's right. And so you know there there's positives and negatives right now, but um, I, I think you know advocacy has to continue and outreach has to continue. Um, for people to at least say, hmm, why don't I try this? And how do I go about it? And um, so it, it is frustrating. And I don't know the extent to which we can persuade employers to really investigate this a little more thoroughly, because the investigation uh, is more than just saying, yeah, this is a good idea. It's how do, when you say, how do we implement it? You know, what is it about our hiring practices that may prevent people from even being noticed in the first place? And what is it uh, about the, these individuals that that 
make it possible for us to hire them and have them be a productive member of our team. And, you know, that, that means work and it's a lot easier to just have somebody come in, do the interview and do the process you've been following all along. I think it takes, it takes it up a notch for you to say, we're going to do something more here. We're going to, uh, to investigate this and we're going to make it happen. That's really what you need an, an employer to say. And that means they have to say it to their HR people and their HR people have to understand that they have the authority to make that hire, that they shouldn't have to be afraid um, of doing that. And uh, quite often, I think that's where the breakdown is. You know, all the things you're saying, it's a, it's taking me back to um, uh, October 20, 2022, <clears throat> when we when we talked to Caroline Casey, of the, the founder of the Valuable 500, and she's a firebrand and passionate about disability inclusion. And she said, you know, she said, globally, CEOs can't ignore disability inclusion anymore. And she said, you know, you've got to have all inclusion or or nothing. You can't have 50% inclusion because that's not inclusion. No, no, I, I, I agree. I, I sort of mentioned this in the in the intro. We've kind of, uh, you know, uh, alluded to it. I mean, you're an Odin business champion. You're, and you go out there and you're talking at business events and speaking events. And when you're sharing your knowledge and your experience of all of this, I mean, what are you finding about how much lack of knowledge and awareness there still is out there in your audience when they're, you know, when they're watching you speak? I mean, are you getting deer in the headlights looks? I, I'm getting some of that, but I'm, I've had interest um, from, I would say, a majority of the people who have taken the time to listen in the first place um, and enthusiasm. Uh, and but it's clear to me that they have that same concern that that we had at the outset, which is how do we go about doing this? How do we how do we implement this idea of making our workplace more diverse? Um, and and when I talk about diverse, I don't mean you know hiring people from different ethnic backgrounds and things. I mean one of the things that I, I have found is when you talk about diversity hiring, that's where people go. They don't go you know, people with disabilities. You know, it's 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 funny that, that you should mention that's one of the things I, I wanted to ask you about. You know, it's because that's what we talk about a lot of times that disability still too often gets left out of the DEI business conversation. I mean, how do you react to that when you see that happening and how frustrating is that? Well, I, I get very upset and frustrated, but that's all on my inside voice. I, I attended a, uh, I was asked to speak at a law society uh, um, presentation, a function uh, about diversity hiring. And I was on a panel with others and uh, there was, you know, the, the idea of hiring somebody with a physical or mental, you know, disability of some kind wasn't even on the table with the other panelists and the subject matter of our discussion. It was all about, um, you know, uh, hiring trans people or, you know, all, all these hiring people from different backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds and, and, and cultural backgrounds and things like that. And, and when I did raise the subject of hiring people with disabilities, uh, it was just kind of, you know, downplayed completely. And none of the material 
that was available for the people attending had anything to do with hiring people with disabilities. It wasn't even on the table. Wow. And um, that was a shock to me. And, and it was upsetting. I didn't say anything other than privately to a few people. But, um, you know, it, it, that was frustrating. Uh, but I, I'll tell you, just going back to a question you asked a few, a few moments ago, um, when I am doing presentations, uh, if, if the audience is more than employers, it's about people generally who are interested in um, disability inclusiveness and the hiring and, and employment uh, process. I've often been surprised as well by um, members of the family, members of the support group, and even agencies that have such low expectations for the candidate and candidates who have such low expectations for themselves. Um, you know, and, and I've, I've had people comment, you know, we, we never thought that our son or daughter or uh, our candidate uh, would be capable of doing these things. And, um, you know, I, that, that was a surprise to me. Uh, I so, think so so when they say that to you I mean what you know how do you how do you how do you respond to that do you, do you... I say you know if people are capable of amazing things uh, yet but if you set expectations low uh, they'll meet those expectations um, you know it's it's just the classic aim high and we we've all been through it we've all set expectations for ourselves sometimes too low sometimes too high but never underestimate what a person can do, whether you're the employer hiring a candidate uh, or whether you're the candidate. Um, you know, I, I, I just find that it's that expectation level that needs to be reset and reexamined uh, because, you know, employers aren't the only ones who need to be educated here. Um, the candidates need to be educated. Their support groups need to be educated. Uh, the agencies they work with need to be educated. At the end of the day, it's a very simple formula that employers are looking for. We're looking for somebody who wants to make a contribution, uh, who can help us identify how they can make a contribution to our operations, and who understand um, what it is we are trying to do. And again, you know, I'm, I'm not in the manufacturing sector, so I can't speak to that. I'm in the service sector. And for us, the priority has always been, you know, even as lawyers with a lot of letters after our name, we're nothing but glorified servers or something, you know, <laughs> like we're just there to provide service to people. And, uh, you know, our, our very positive hires have understood that and they've become engaged with that and they have have contributed to that. Um, our negative hires, uh, they've been, you know, like, and this is whether they have disabilities or not, you know, they're, they're self-absorbed, they're narcissistic, and that goes nowhere in a service environment. Because you have to be able, you have to be able to relate to people and form relationships with people and, and, and interact well. With. That's true. Um, not always, depending on the job. I mean, you know, it is possible to put somebody into an office and and uh, and they can work away there and provide service without ever meeting anybody. It, it is quite possible to do that. And uh, in fact, we have a few people that do do that. 
and but it works but it's because they are able to provide that service uh, to a client or to a colleague uh, you know, if they're doing an admin position, they're able to do that. Even if they they are awkward in interacting with people, they can still do it because they don't have to interact with people. They have to interact with documents, uh, with, you know, court filings. Um, there, there's, there's a lot of innovation and ingenuity that gets brought into it. And I think, you know, that's welcome. That's welcome. You know, we always have to be changing and we always have to be adapting and everybody's capable of it. Well, I the mean, candidate, some, the candidate some, and the employer. Sorry. Some of the biggest innovations, I mean, were developed for, for people with disabilities. I mean, I never knew myself until recently when I was researching uh, something for uh, uh, a social media post that texting is ubiquitous now, but it was originally developed for for the deaf so that they could have better, you know, enhanced communication. And here we are. It's a technology that benefits everyone around the world, billions and billions of people. Yeah. There, there, you know, the, the other, the thing that I've always appreciated because I do a lot of work in Toronto is uh, um, through the work of someone with a disability, um, the uh, transit system was forced to install audible signals that tell you what the next station is and where you're at because uh, before it always sounded like something in the old drive-throughs or, or you know on the peanuts cartoons that mm -hmm. the was talking it was wah 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 and um, you know th that has been invaluable not just for me but for everybody uh, to be able to have those clear communications um, and that's just one small example of how we're all affected by the innovation that uh, that's resulted from people advocating for people with disabilities. I mean, you know, there's a lot of business benefits to be had. There's innovation that happens. And so what's your best advice to a business person who hasn't yet reached out and tapped into the disability talent pool or hasn't even been aware of it? I think it's let's make a decision to become inclusive in our hiring. And when I say become inclusive, specifically to look at hiring someone with a disability um, and let's reach out to other uh, employers who have done that. And let's talk with them about the ways in which uh, you can make it work and either, you know, ourselves as the as the CEO or our HR people. Let's give them the authority to do this and to make it work. And, you know, from there, uh, I think things take a life of take on a life of their own, much as they did here. And uh, and as I said, it's been positive all the way around. Where do you see things going in the next few years? Eh? Um, it, I'm, not, I'm not a very good prognosticator. So all I can tell you is um, that those of us who do advocate for people with disability um, hirings will continue to do that. Uh, we are working uh, as we speak on uh, developing a plan moving forward. Um, and uh, it, it's pretty much consistent with what we've done in the past, which is just try to get the ear of employers 
but myself personally, I would like to expand that to get the ear of candidates and to get the, the ear of the agencies that support candidates um, so that we can, can work together to find employment and retain employment for individuals. What, what's your sense? What do you think might be the, the best ways to get those ears? Is it just to keep doing the talks that you do and, and keep spreading the... No, I, I think there has to be um, some, some um, collaboration and, and venues have to be created for the kind of collaboration that's needed for employers and support agencies and candidates and even families to get together uh, to talk about how um, we can facilitate the process for getting people into the workplace and uh, allowing them to be productive um, within an employment context. The, the rest will fall into place after that. And help everybody understand that you, everybody from parents to educators to employers, they need to raise the bar and have high expectations and have those expectations early for a young person who has a disability. Absolutely. And, and you know, the point that you just made, Dean, it goes right back to the education system and what, what kids learn, uh, what teachers teach, and, um, and having people included. Um, it's, it's an effort and it's not a huge effort, but it's an effort that needs to be made by everyone from the ground up. Um, and there are gaps in the process right now, especially when people leave, um, sort of the high school environment and, and, you know, what are the next steps after that? And the, the opportunities are there, uh, to continue education. Uh, and to incorporate employment as part of that education, uh, especially uh, with the colleges, the, the, the opportunities are there. Uh, but I think, I think a lot of people just say, but how do we do this? And I don't have the answers to that. You know, when we made our first hire, we weren't clinicians. We didn't have the answers. It required collaboration, but it worked. And uh, that's got to continue to be uh, a process that we all engage in is collaboration uh, to to achieve success. I mean, you know, hiring a person with a disability and becoming a disability inclusive um, you know, employer, it's not really unlike being a parent and learning how to be a parent, right? I mean, you don't know what you're doing when you start, but you you learn you learn along the way and you learn the strategies and the processes that work to to create success. What do you what do you think? Well, you're you're not nearly as regulated as employers to become a, a parent, uh, <laughs> but but um, and and I don't think it's as, as intimidating as an employer um, to to become uh, a, a disability uh, environment hiring and things like that. I think it's got to be far more. Well, it is far more intimidating. Uh, to be a parent. So if you can be a parent, you can be a, you can be an employer of people with disabilities and, uh, and succeed very well. What's been the best part of this journey so far in it, you know, over the last 35 years, and it really is a journey, isn't it? Well, it is, um, you know, the, again, it, it's twofold from a business perspective. Uh, it's just been nothing but positive. Um, 
but the the relationships that um, the personal relationships that I've been able to form with individuals has been very rewarding um, and eye-opening. And uh, so that's an enrichment, you know, that that we as individuals um, experience. And it's not just me, it's other people at the firm as well, including the candidates who came here and then became employees. I think it's been rewarding for them as well, these, these relationships that we've formed. But um, as I said at the outset, from a business perspective, um, the returns have been, um, you know, they have far exceeded our expectations. Do you see yourself just continuing down the path and continuing, you know, to to talk at events and just keep doing what you're doing? And have you ever, I mean, do you ever think you know, like, okay, like there's going to be a point where I'm not going to be able to do this or I don't want to do this anymore. It's like, but you're very passionate about it. Are you just going to keep doing what you do? Well, I will for now, you know, um, I'm, I'm supposedly semi-retired, although that's not working out very well at the moment. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I, I, my wife and I do plan to do a bit of traveling and things like that, but, um, the advocacy, I, I, it, it continues to be, um, something that, um, I, I feel personally, um, committed to and, uh, continue to, to do that sort of thing. Um, I just, you know, I, I don't want to be involved administratively if someone asks me to do something. Uh, what is it? And sure. Um, but to organize things, I, that's not my forte. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. How, how, I mean, we've talked about a lot of stuff. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you think is important to mention? No, I, I really think we've covered the, the spectrum, Dean. Um, I, I know that I, I did give a lot of thought prior to us doing this podcast. Um, about um, a lot of aspects of the journey, as you put it at the outset. And um, I, I really do think we've covered uh, all of the points that came to mind as I reflected on this. Well, you you have been great. There have been great insights. And I, I kind of think I'm going to have to go and get another run downstairs and go and get another log and put it on the fire because we we burned the logs kind of kind of low on this fireside chat. It's been a great fireside chat. Thank you again for coming on and uh, being part of this first uh, segment of Making the Journey and uh, helping, helping us launch this series. Well, you're very welcome, Dean. And, and I do hope that, um, you know, that it does result in people reaching out and saying, okay, let's talk about this. Let's talk about how we can do this. And uh, that to me would be a very rewarding thing to see that there's responsiveness, not just by employers, uh, but by people who are, who are involved in supporting people um, who are candidates and also candidates reaching out and saying, what, what can I do to enhance my prospects? I'm more than willing to talk to them. Once again, my guest has been Joe Hoffer. He's a partner at Cohen Highly LLP and an Odin business champion. Well, that wraps up this first installment of our Making the Journey series. And this episode of You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D. I'm Dean Askin. Thanks again for listening, wherever you're listening from. Join us each episode as we have insightful conversations like this one and explore disability inclusion in business and in our communities from all the angles. You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D is produced in Toronto, Canada by the Ontario Disability Employment Network. All rights reserved. Our podcast production team 
Executive producer and host, Jeanette Campbell. Producer, Sue Defoe. Associate producer and host, Dean Askin. Audio editing and production by Dean Askin. Our podcast theme is Last Summer by Ixon. If you have feedback or comments about an episode, contact us at info at odinnetwork.com. That's info at O-D-E-N-E-T-W-O-R-K dot com. Join us each episode for insights from expert guests as we explore the power of inclusion, the business benefits of inclusive hiring, and why disability is an important part of the diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation. Listen to You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D on Podbean or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.